and welcome back to the First Issue Club. We are your weekly comic book reading show podcast club thing. And just like Sue Storm, we enjoy a good read. Your intros at the beginning yep. are perfect every time. Wow. They're they're concise. They're to the point. They tell the listener what the hell this thing is. You know, I, I, I workshopped this for years, and I listen to other podcasts. Too much of a preamble. The show song that tells you what it is, and then the host tells you what it is again. Yep. Get to the point. Get to my content. Yeah. Get to who we are. Oh, that's right. I'm Mike D. And I'm Vargas. <sighs> Sorry, I interrupted. That's the part I, that I, I missed. I flow off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never introducing myself on this thing. Um, but we are here back again. Um, we've got a Greg Licktig, who is a club favorite, almost the mascot of the podcast. Definitely. With his high energy and goofball takes. Uh, he is still out taking care of his sweet new baby boy and his family. So he'll he'll be out for maybe one more week. I don't know. It didn't sound like he was going to be gone that long. But... Really, we need to pull the HR manual for First Issue Club exactly, and check right. how long uh, paternity leave is. Yeah, at least what's a checkpoint before we start shaming him again and, mm. and really make him come back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll... <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll... We'll get that out. We'll read it over. Make sure that he's adhering to all required stipulations. Uh, we've got a fun Patreon today. It's a big old beefy Patreon. I've got 34 books back from CGC in two sealed boxes over to my left here. And Vargas and I are going to pop those bad boys open. And if you've got the uh, video tier uh, and everything, you can see all those Fun, fun comics that we're going to take out there. I'm going to put fingerprints all over. All over those cases. (laughs) Fresh new cases. That's right. This is the first time. I've gotten stuff from CBCS a handful of times. This is the first time um, I'm getting stuff back from CGC that I sent in. And I'm interested to see, you know, how some of my comics stood up over being in boxes for a while. Mm -hmm. um, What surprises we got in there. Um, how everything is packed is interesting to me. Um, last week we gave some takes on when we prefer CBCS, when we prefer CGC, and why. Um, and then I might give some lessons I've learned after having submitted to CGC um, this one time and, and what I'm getting back. Um, there's already some things that I know that I've seen from my invoice that have kind of already changed, you know, how I might have done things um, differently. Sure. So that'll be fun to talk about. Well, before we get to the, all that, yes. and of course, our number ones. First issues. There's some fun ones this week. Yeah. There was a lot of action this week. Yeah. On this side of the table. A um, little bit of news. Speaking of CGC, first mm. and foremost, they upped their prices. Did you see this? No. Yeah. You sent away at pretty much the perfect time okay so uh, they renamed a couple of tiers and changed the pricing structure i got an email today for a discount to upgrade my tier aha and maybe that discount is a make good to say hey we're gonna give you a little more credit yeah. A little more store credit because you signed up during a year or period wherein the prices have fluctuated. That's making more sense now. Yeah, maybe. Um, so all these, um, the the prices are effective as of May 2nd. So you still have a, a little bit of time. But I'm guessing they're going to start doing kind of what you said where they have like store credit or whatever, op- yeah. offering some of these options. So um, their modern tier fee is changed to 25 bucks. Okay. That's like... Brand new off the shelf comic, gonna cost you twenty five bucks to slab it. Economy tier, the name is changed to vintage. Mm, okay, and the fee is changed to thirty seven dollars. Wow, that's a huge change. Yeah, so economy was like what most books fell into, right? Yeah, because it's it's anything from like what was it like five years ago to like. 
the 70s, right? Like, like 80s? 70, it runs to 75. 75, that makes and, sense. And I don't, I think things that were even in like the 2000s are considered modern tier. Oh, they are? I, I believe so. And maybe they reorganized what they're thinking with it with yeah. this new branding and, and pricing arrangement. But some of my understanding was like um, when you start to get into newsprint and the sure. like thinner old school pages, those were the ones that like need to be handled with a little more care. So like during grading and they go to different people than like the regular magazine stock that happens now. Yeah. So but even stuff like like I know my preacher, that's from 93, that's on newsprint. And that would be economy. That would be economy. Yeah. Or now vintage. Yeah. So I wonder cuz DC's still printing on that kind of newsprint stuff for some of their current. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's always so bizarre when I pick up a comic and I'm like what is up with this paper? Yeah. It there's part of it that like the tactile feeling of it is like, oh yeah, this is a comic book baby. I hate it. <laughs> you don't I, like it? I do not like newsprint. It's kind of hard. It's it's hard to go back to. When I open a vintage comic, it gives me the feels. When you get yeah. something when you get one of those newer DC books that's like colored digitally. Yeah. And maybe doesn't translate as well to this like That's what I don't like. more porous page. Yeah. And in the like uh those old newsprint books were printed in a different way with like the CMYK dot grid yes. stuff. And the new digital printers print on newsprint and all that ink just sits there. Yeah. And it kind of globs off on your fingers as you're flipping through those newer newsprint books. Correct. And if you've got any any white spot yeah. on your front or back cover, your fingerprint's going to be there forever. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's their whatever most common tier. I think it's their most common tier. Yeah. 37, 37 bucks. That's a brutal change. That's a brutal change. Standard tier. Name change to high value. Fee change to $85. Oh, wow. Yeah. Express tier, discontinued. Not doing Express anymore. Not you know doing what? Express. Their turnaround times are so fast. Give me a break if you need an Express tier. Yeah. How quick do you need your comic books turned around? Within the week. <laughs> like so I can get them on eBay. So you can get them on eBay. <laughs> that's right. I mean, if anything, you're going to curb some of that. Uh, how do I want to put it? Irresponsible spending that people are doing because people are listing 9.8s of like the first Spider Boy appearance, yeah, which just happened. And it's like people are already spending $150 for a 9.8 of that. And like, yeah. the, I don't know, I don't think that that book's going to sustain that value for this long. No, that's crazy. It's just the hype of it right now, and people wanting a 9.8. Yeah, people are hoping that it's going to be the next Spider Gwen, and yeah. it's not. No, 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 no. Um, so express tiers gone. Walk through tier name changed to unlimited value. Fee has gone to four percent of FMV. Minimum one fifty. Minimum one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, for the for the unlimited value, quote unquote. Wow. So th- those are your high dollar books. Yeah. yeah and I think it's. Um, anything over a thousand, yeah, so if has you had to go th- to the to the unlimited value. Yeah, if you had an ultimate Fallout four and nine eight, well, that that's what's so interesting is you'd like, be paying yeah. a high end price, assuming it comes out at a, at a assuming it comes out at a nine eight. Yeah. That's right. That's one of the freaky things about sending books to CGC if you're on a budget is that they can come back and say hey your book falls out of the estimated range that you gave us Mm -hmm. so we're gonna up the price of what you're paying yeah now to most people that's amazing news right it's like oh the book that i thought was a nine four or a nine six you're putting a nine eight on it i'll gladly pay that extra money to get it slabbed still right because it's good the book's going to be worth another six hundred dollars but let's say you didn't want to sell your ultimate fallout Right. And you just wanted it graded, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you're like, shit, I gotta pay another sixty bucks for this thing yeah. at minimum to yeah. to get to get it in a slab. Yeah, but at that point, sell it. 
<laughs> I yeah, mean, maybe. You, whatever. Um, I don't think I don't have any books worth over a thousand dollars. I don't have any books worth over five hundred. Yeah. I think the only thing I have close is my Spider Gwen. Yeah. And that would be really dependent on the grade. I got a nine six on mine, and I think yeah. that sits right around five hundred. Yeah. So, I if I had the same because I've got basically the same yep. remark as you do. Yeah, you got the Latour yeah. signature and remark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, um, reholder, no change to that. Okay. Cool. That's good because I think that is still then. 20 bucks uh-huh. to get anything reholdered at the same grade. Yep. I think that's a pretty okay deal. Yep. Um, reholder high value changed to reholder unlimited value. No fee change. Okay. So probably what? Probably 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah. To get your, you know, X Men number one. Yep. Reholdered. Mm-hmm. It goes to the more careful guy. Yeah. <laughs> His time's more valuable. He's got to work slower. Probably still a good deal, right? If <laughs> yeah. you've got a that yeah, if that you've got a Fantastic Four number one, yeah, right. <laughs> you don't care if you're spending 150 bucks yep. to get it reholed. I'd rather someone do it carefully and right. Yeah. Um, the pre-screen fee changed to nine dollars per reject. It used to be eight. Minimum submission requirement has been removed. Oh, so now you can just do one. You can do one. Okay, a single boy. Uh, That's nice. Yep. No changes to imaging or custom labels. Oh, this is going to change my takes for the Patreon. Yeah. I'd already established some screening takes. Mm -hmm. This would kind of change them. Well. I'm glad you brought this up. I thought you'd like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest thing is the, the price increases to the economy and standard tiers. Yeah. Um, Drat. Yeah. So, unfortunately, right. it's cheaper to slab your stuff right off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I've got another kit here to send 40 books to CGC. Ooh. Um, I was going to wait a little bit because I just spent such a chunk of change on my last order. But if prices are going up, yeah, maybe we'll do it before May 2nd. I mean, we, doubt, got, yeah. we got like two weeks. You got, you got a couple weeks, but... Yeah. We can we can talk off air. Okay, talk, sounds good. We can talk turkey. <laughs> well, we're not recording. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's all the CGC changes. There's changes to like magazine and concert poster and all that yada yada stuff. But yep. We don't care about that. We're not first concert poster club. That's exactly right. We're first issue club. Get those concert posters out of here. Um, other news: Jason Aaron's Avengers run is over. Um, I read Omega today. Super fun. So we'll, we'll take we'll, we'll move ourselves into a separate segment called Last Issue Club. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was a number one, it was. It was. That always confuses me. They do those Omega issues now, and they do them at DC and Marvel. Yeah. Where it's like we'll have a whole event or a whole series, and then release an Omega. And this one was like. <clears throat> sometimes I appreciate the Omega labeling. When a book is like kind of the aftermath, mm-hmm. like I've seen resolution of the story, and then here's just some extra aftermath. Sure, this book was like the full end of it. Like yeah. if you skipped this issue and were buying all the other Avengers issues, you'd have no idea how it how ended. Anything, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like nothing would be resolved. Yeah. It was just weird to me that they made it like a mandatory buy that's just like a weird semantic i mean alpha, issue numbering alpha gripe. was a mandatory buy do they do an alpha for this mm-hmm. i don't even remember that at this point it's probably been like what four years <laughs> well yeah i mean it was a while uh yeah because they did this was an, an event in 12 parts yeah with alpha and then alternating between avengers and avengers forever oh okay culminating in omega not, yeah not an alpha for Jason Aaron's entire Avengers run, an alpha, oh, yeah. an alpha for the event Avengers Assemble of the last thing, Correct. Avengers Assemble. Correct. Kind of smashing. That was the fun thing about it is that he'd established several different Avengers teams throughout time yeah. during his run, and then the last event smished all of those timelines and all those characters together. Yeah, which is cool. What I liked about the Omega is it tied up. I think 
all the loose like loose ends that he had. Yeah. I mean the Avengers 1 million BC got yeah. wrapped up, the Ghost Rider stuff, the Star Brand stuff, the Thor stuff. Yep. All got Everybody was there. Pretty wrapped up and and you got whether it was fulfilling or not, I guess is yep. up to you the reader, but at least it was something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, a a dangling string that Jed McKay would or would not have to pick up. Yeah. When he starts writing. And this was one of those things that I remember being really excited about a couple years ago because they started peppering Mephisto in a lot more comics. And you were like, ooh, something. We're building up to something big with Mephisto. We just don't know what it is yet. And they did it in such different places and different series that it was hard to piece together where it was going to end up. Mm -hmm. Turned out to be Jason Aaron's uh, Avengers run. So that was cool. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people didn't like his run, but I had so much fun with it. Yeah, he kind of had one of the interesting things about Jason Aaron was that he started out as such a his his writing style and the characters he wrote for were like very grizzled, rough, like you know I'm a metalhead and I love this like dark gritty take on Thor yeah. or like. Wolverine is like this. Uh, Wolverine goes to hell. <laughs> it was one of his runs. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he wrote Wolverine in the X Men early on, and yeah. you're like, man, that's the sort of character Jason Aaron writes is like this badass alpha like male who isn't like your traditional like not the jockey sort of alpha male, but like the wilderness male. Wi- wilderness <laughs> male. Like his his Thor wasn't really like clean laced Thor, like Asad yeah. Ribbit coming in and doing like the gross, greasy, thin, long haired Thor. Yeah. Um, had a whole different aesthetic to it that kind of matched his whole thing. Um and then later on in later issues of Thor and some Avengers, it it read with like a lighter air to it. And it was fun. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just weren't expecting fun, silly, and like honest joke, like laughs. Yeah. Like there were several laugh out loud moments for me when I was reading Thor and and Avengers. And I really dug um, that about it. And I really dug his ability to just like completely change styles that like he's still an amazing writer, but if you picked up one issue and then read the other issue back to back at the beginning and end of his like Marvel career, not that this is the end end of his Marvel career, but you know what I mean? Um, That you might say these are completely different writers for sure. So yeah. Bravo, Jason. Um, You've been building to uh, a a little break. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) for sure. Writing so many damn books. I mean, he wrote the initial star Wars. That's right. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest selling, if not the greatest selling comic of all time. Um, and I don't know what an accomplishment. Sorry. We kind of got distracted from like this actual comic book we're talking about. I mean, Avengers Omega, but that it turned into a celebration of Jason Aaron, which you can't it have. Should be. I yeah. think, yeah, you can't have this conversation about ending what he did at Marvel, um, with, without talking about his tenure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this, I think once we start getting media adaptations of some of these stories, yeah. like I think the star brand thing would lend itself really well to the small screen. Yep. Um, personally, I would love to see challenge of the ghost riders or age of Khonshu adapted. Uh, right? Right. like moon Knight takes over the world yep. and the Avengers have to stop him. Yeah. Give me that. Give me that movie. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, yeah, so congrats to Jason Aaron. Um, I'm excited to see what Jed McKay does because, yeah. again, personally hoping that Moon Knight joins the Avengers and it becomes Moon Knight and Friends. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think you've got a good shot at that. I know. We'll and he's, see. He's still going to be on Moon Knight. That's the other, another news hit that I have is there's Moon Knight extravaganza this summer. Yeah, let's talk about the Moon Knight 25, right? Yeah. 70 issues, 70, 70 pages. pages, yes, 70 issues, 70 pages. 
um, it's like an anniversary issue Hmm. and it's going to tie into a David Pepos written Moon Knight miniseries that's also going to introduce Scarlet Scarab. Is that the series that's going to introduce Scarlet Scarab? Mm -hmm. Is that going to happen in issue 25 we're going to see here? Or I think issue 25 is maybe going to be the first appearance. Probably. Well, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I bet... I bet issue 25 is going to be first appearance of her out of costume. And then the mini will be her first appearance as Scarlet Scarab. Yeah. Because the character, Layla, was created for the Moon Knight MCU project, the the Oscar Isaac TV show. Yeah. Um, I remember when they had that moment in the show where she turned into a hero type character. mm -hmm. I was like oh, who is that in the comics? And I looked it up and it was just like, it's not a thing in the comics. It was so interesting to me that they were like, we've got so much stuff to pull from and we're going to straight up give you an original character. Yeah. Um, But love to see that there was such a good character, I thought, um, that it's cool to see it make its way to the comics. That's happened once that I can remember with the little kid from Iron Man 3 got brought yeah. into he's like Iron Lad sure. or something and they did a a mini series with him and young Peter Parker sure. working on like a tech project together or something. Oh, you know who else first appeared on TV and then came to comics? A small, you might not know her. Um Harley Quinn. <laughs> or Sticking with Marvel, uh, again, small character, you might not know her, X-23. Both started on TV and came to comics. I didn't know that about X-23. She first appeared in X-Men Evolution, the TV show. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yep. And then she appeared in that Nyx or NYX yeah. with, by Quesada and whatever. That series is so weird. Yeah. It is so strange. And it also, like, I don't think it would work today. Um, How do I want to phrase this? (laughs) They'd get canceled. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I mean, X-23 is, like, young, dressed, really scantily clad, and I think is alluded to that she's, like, a sex worker. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. It's been so long since I've read it, but I'm pretty sure she was, like, a sex worker. Well, yeah. There's, like, part of her whole, like, traumatic past thing Uh is that it's hinted that she's, like, abused or, like, assaulted. Yes. Whatever. And it's not really made clear, at least in that series, that I can remember. And then I remember I read the, like, X-23 book that came after it. Mm-hmm. where they talked about her we found out like her mother in quotes yeah and um she was like a moira mctaggart type right what like ha- a scientist yes she was yeah. she was a scientist and they couldn't find out a way to um clone weapon x yeah. well enough and she was like I know how to do it. And she like impregnated herself. Essentially, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And she was like, I can stay detached, yada, yada, but gave birth to uh, Laura and then, you know, gave her a name. Yeah. Eventually saw how horrible they were being to her and helped her escape. That's right. And helped her escape. That's right. Yeah. And the other doctors were especially cruel to, to her because yeah. they were kind of jealous of the breakthrough or methodology that, this woman had found to do the job that they weren't able to do. So, I mean, like, I love the, the commentary on like, (laughs) you've got these men who are mad and think a woman shouldn't have her job, but like being a woman is what, you know, helped her succeed, helped her succeed. Um, is, is just a cool, um, thread, but yeah, it would probably get played differently. Yes. Today. If it yeah, were made today. It would. I, I don't remember them ever addressing any of that anymore. But I think that was part of her style of being like, you know, partly goth, wearing all black, like yeah. really it was it was kind of in the nineties and one of the things that's like carried through for people 
has been like the low rise jeans with the like (laughs) big clunky metal belt that was like and her boots trendy at the time and the big boots (laughs) that are just like what a weird style thing like now it just doesn't make sense yeah or maybe it makes perfect sense because the 90s style is coming back but um i don't know what were we talking about news (laughs) so x23 originally on tv TV. and then adapted to comics Yeah. yeah so lots of moon knight this summer Get ready for Andy to talk about Moon Knight a lot. Yeah. So, oh, one of the things I was going to say about that character, Scarlet Scarab. Yes. Is I think the the mantle. Yes. That she takes up, but her name is really similar to the old Scarlet Scarabs. Correct. This is going to be a mantle thing. Like her dad was the original Scarlet Scarab, and then passed down to a, to a brother. Correct. And then this is the sister slash daughter that we never knew about. Correct. Um. We can assume yeah. the, the name is like the last name is almost identical. It has like an A after it or something. Yeah. Um, so I'm not totally sure what the deal is there, but I'm assuming there's going to be blood relation. Correct. Um, yeah. So Scarlet Scarab was a character created in the Moon Knight comics. Yep. By I'm Roy Thomas. Roy probably. Tom- <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say Roy Thomas or Doug Minch because uh-huh. it's Moon Knight. Probably both of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, presumably this will be a daughter yeah niece somebody and i looked that character up today and he was like introduced in like 77 or 78 and yeah. then they killed him in 82 yeah so relatively short-lived for for marvel correct r.i.p <laughs> um a couple other small pieces of news and then we'll get to the last big one and then we'll do issue ones um marvel's just a heads up for everyone Marvel's standalone comicsology run app is shutting down. And it, and all your purchased comics are moving to unlimited. Oh, interesting. So I You'll have owned comics on unlimited. Yeah. I Weird. I am in that situation. Huh. I have owned comics on the Marvel app and I don't have an unlimited subscription. Bizarre. So, I don't so know. So they're probably going to do a free unlimited subscription wherein you can read your purchased comics. I would hope because I tried to log into Unlimited today, and the first thing it hits you with is a paywall. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work, but I'll update, I guess, as it keeps coming. Weird. So, um, the other thing I had is Uncanny Spider-Man looks fun as hell. Yeah. Nightcrawler is taking up. The name Spider-Man. Yeah, I was not a... expecting that from the Uncanny Spider-Man title. Yeah. I just figured it'd be Peter Parker hanging out with mutants for a miniseries. Yeah, no, it's it's Nightcrawler, and he's got a spider suit and everything. Yeah. Um, it is a five-issue mini, uh-huh. so it's not an ongoing or anything. It's not a superior Spider-Man situation, uh-huh. uh, but Cy Spurrier is writing it. So. I love Cy Spurrier. Yeah, he's and great. He's been doing a lot of Nightcrawler stuff recently, so that's perfect. Yeah. I love... Um, that's one of those things that's been really fun for me going back and reading Amazing on the Unlimited app uh-huh. is that you start to like understand why like Nightcrawler keeps popping up in Spider-Man stuff is because he was you know one of the first mutant characters that they happened to cross over into Amazing really early on. Oh, I didn't know that. So they've got this like early relationship where they were both after the Punisher or somebody like the Punisher. Yeah. Um early on and uh had to team up well i love nightcrawler he is probably my favorite mutant so i'm i'm stoked i will definitely be picking this up yeah uh even if i don't read the rest of fall of x so my problem is going to be trying to decide where to file it do i put it in my spider-man boxes or my X Xboxes. I would put it in your X stuff because yeah. it seems like it's it's, it's technically spinning an out X of, title. Yeah, yeah, and it's spinning out of Fall of X. Mm-hmm. So web spinning out of Fall of X. <laughs> <laughs> got him. Um, and the last the last big piece of news. Yes, I've got is, and I'll I'll preface this same way I preface this to Mike D in our little pre production. I don't know how serious this is, whether it's you know. Dead serious, no jokes, or with it, whether it's a little bit tongue in cheek or somewhere in between. But as it was reported, as I read it, it was pretty serious. Yeah. So, Spider Man editor Nick Lowe warned 
Spider-Man writer Zeb Wells to skip cons after the next issue of Spider-Man comes out, issue 26, Uh because of the thing that happens in it. And Marvel has already said that issue 26 is going to involve a major death and that it's going to be the biggest issue of Spider-Man, the biggest shock in 50 years. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, they uh, are they going to kill Aunt May? Are they going to... It's been done before, it's brother. It's true. <laughs> it's been done. But then it got undone. Yeah, that's the thing with like... One more, one more day. They ru- Yeah, they kind of <laughs> ruined some of the stakes in the Spider-Man comics because clones are such a big part of it and yep. and resetting the timeline has become such a big part of it that like anytime anything major happens, you're kind of like, well, they'll all do it. Um, I'll say that like Gwen Stacy's death was a huge moment and that's what they're talking about when they say in 50 years because it's been around 50 years since that happened. Sure. Um, Given that we've seen several incarnations of Gwen pop back in and out, I think they did a pretty good job of being like, Gwen's dead, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, you get a, you'll get a taste of Gwen here and there from, like, little bits and pieces, but she's never coming back as a mainstay. Sure. And she's never going to, like, permanently vie for Peter's heart again versus, like, another love interest. Definitely. Um, So, even though I've complained before about bringing Gwen back and how often it's like, oh yeah, Gwen's here now. (laughs) Um, I do think um, they handled it semi-permanently in in a realm that I'm happy and comfortable with. Now, if you want to start saying like, we're going to handle deaths like that, if we're going to handle the next death like that moving forward as a little more of a permanent thing, like, great. Um, that's the way to do it if if you're going to make us, like, really give weight to these decisions moving forward. Um, I would imagine if you're telling me to ask what character is going to die, yeah, I would guess Mary Jane. That'd be pretty huge. Um Part of me is like so much of a part of Peter Parker is having nothing go his way. Sure. And then like despite that, he's he's like he's like Spider-Man in spite of that. Yeah. Or like it's what makes him so great. Sure. Is that he overcomes the Parker is luck. Is that he overcomes the Parker luck. Um and a, another tragedy like this is kind of one of those things that would be like, of course, it would happen yeah. to Peter. Um, Do you think they'd kill... Because in current continuity, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. Mary Jane is off the table. She's She has kids with another guy, right? Yes. So, from my understanding, Black Cat is Peter's like main squeeze right now, right? That is true. Do you think they'd kill Black Cat? I don't think so. Black Cat is a hero character in her own right. Sure. That sells comics pretty well. Sure. Mary Jane, however, does not sell solo series. Yeah, um, but what if Mary Jane became the new Black Cat? Given they gave her superpowers, yeah. right? Um, and I don't know if that's still the case or, or what, but... Um, I I want to say that part of Peter's heart really lies with Mary Jane still, and that would be the more um, tragic death, or maybe the thing that gets him to like really be able to um, change relationships and like mm-hmm. be with Felicia like long term would be a Mary Jane death. If they kill Aunt May, I'm like. Yeah, that's a big deal. But like we said, it's happened before, and Aunt May is such an old, old character, and we haven't seen her much recently. Yeah. 
in the comics that it would kind of seem out of nowhere to sure. me if it was just like, oh yeah, Aunt May, who you haven't seen in six months, yeah. is croaked in the <laughs> in the background. All right, hear me out. I think J. Jonah Jameson. No, 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 no. Mary Jane becomes the new Green Goblin or a goblin mm. and kills everybody. <laughs> she kills Felicia. She kills her kids. She kills Aunt May. Uh-huh. She brings Uncle Ben back to life, kills him immediately. <laughs> That I would be surprised by. Would that be the most shocking issue in 50 years? Yeah, it would. There you go. Shocking in a bad way, but it would be shocking. I solved the, the quandary. <laughs> My point in bringing this up, now that we've gotten the discussion out of the way, don't be mad at Zeb Wells for making a creative decision in a comic book. Yeah. That's a stupid thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that their editor had to warn him whether he was joking or not to skip a con yeah. because the fans were going to be mad. Fans shouldn't be like that. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. The, fa- the fact that that even has to be a conversation or even a joke that would cross your mind, it's gross. Yeah. Um, it sucks that fandom is like that. Yeah. You can you not like a, dis- a creative decision. You cannot like a comic book run. You cannot like anything a creator has ever done. But don't, don't fr- affront them. Yeah. Don't accost someone <laughs> because of your opinions on a stupid comic book. God, I, I was looking at comments on um, an IGN article about that uh, Scarlet Scarab stuff today. Yeah. And the comment section was just kind of nasty with like comments about how much the show sucked and no one cared about that character and why are they bringing it to the the comics and it's just another character no one will care about and yada 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 and i'm like god do we have to say all the negative stuff every time and to ign's credit i saw something that was really interesting that it was like how would you rate this com- at the bottom once you reach the bottom of the comments it says how would you rate this comment section <laughs> and the options were like very like inappropriate yeah toxic neutral you know great yeah and then like fantastic you know it was like one through five from yeah. like super toxic to like really great positive environment and i was like you know what i kind of appreciate that yeah because if we're just gonna hate spiral in this thing and say awful things about the people who are creating the comics Especially before the comics even come out yet. Yeah. And we're just like shitting on actors and we're shitting on creatives that, you know, make these decisions. And they're people with lives, right? right. Um, I like the fact that IGN has maybe got like a route to be aware of some of those comment sections getting out of control more quickly depending on those responses. And just being like, you know what? We're not going to have a comment section on this article in particular. Yeah. Because people are getting nasty on it. Um, uh, police your hate a little better. I mean, the fact that other people have to police hatred on I an IGN.com message board, which IGN.com is like, they report on like video games and comics. It's like supposed to be fun. Yeah. And I'm okay with like, you know, we discuss comics all the time. And there's some, there's sometimes creative decisions are made in comics that you you like or don't like. Sure. And I think it's okay to have discourse over that. But it's not okay to be like fuck the people who made this. Like right. <laughs> I'm putting that out there in the world just to like spew negativity directed at a human being. Right. And he, yes, for sure. First and foremost that. Yeah. But beyond that even, if you just get out on a comment section and you say this this comic is shitty. That doesn't that doesn't mean yeah, anything. Who's it for? Who? Why? Why do you not like it? Yes. Right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah. saying this is have bad. Conver- yeah. Have a conversation about it. That's not a valid criticism. Mm-hmm. And you see that all the time. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thing. <laughs> Don't be shitty to people. <laughs> have have 
a reason behind your opinion yep. and express it in a way that makes you sound like a human being. Yep. <laughs> so we'll give Zeb some grace. Even yeah. even if I'm floored and really disappointed by whatever happens. When when it happens. When Stacy or when Mary Jane becomes Green Goblin. When Mary Jane becomes Green Goblin, I'm not going to seek out Zeb Wells' Twitter and be an asshole to him. Perfect. <laughs> good, good job, Mike D. <laughs> That's the amount of self-control you need. Don't go out of your way to be an asshole. Right. It takes so much more energy to do that. <laughs> Don't you have, like, other things to do? Yeah, right. <sighs> All right. <clears throat> That's all the news I had. Right on. What did you read this week? I think we had a couple of crossovers. Yes. This is the last couple of weeks we've had some crossovers. Um so aside from Jason Aaron's uh Avengers Omega, I read Image Comics Terror War, which is in uh, a uh, Saladin Ahmed comic uh-huh. who is maybe best known for writing the Miles Morales Spider-Man run. Definitely. For quite a while. Um, He is an artist that I really enjoy. Um, Artist as in creative writer. Yes. uh, He doesn't do the artwork on these comics. But um, so I was really excited when to see he has an indie out. He wrote um, another image book called Infidel several years ago. Oh, yeah. That was like a sci-fi horror um that was like the monster was like an embodiment of xenophobia yeah and that book was like (laughs) unbelievably amazing and i've got this like great david mack cover of the first issue i'm so glad i hopped on that book early and that was the book where i kind of discovered him so super excited to read um an indie comic of his this book is called Terror War. It is about squads that are like militarized, combat ready, sort of like pods that go and haunt terrors, which are manifestations of people's like fears that come to life in this city. But they are literal physical monsters, also. Yes. Yeah. It's like if you were afraid, this is just like the. You know, Ghostbusters, if you were afraid of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, yeah, um, that's the thing that gets pulled out of your head and manifested into a real being. Right. Um, these squads of hit people have, like, bounties that get put on <laughs> the terrors, and if you're the first one to it and take it down, you collect money, yeah. and that creates, like, warring factions within the terror hunters and that aspect of it i think is going to be like almost the main crux of the book for sure it, it was interesting to read it and be like okay here so the angle is that your fears come to life and are hunted yeah by like cops like <laughs> future yeah. cops yeah yeah uh, and then it's like actually the real story is like the inner politics between the teams that hunt the terrorists yeah it's a capitalism story <laughs> yeah, exactly right yeah the what i thought about you know as i put this down i was like oh this book is transmetropolitan mm-hmm. ghostbusters and aliens in a blender yeah that's that's the book when he wakes up I was like, his apartment looks so much like the apartment in Fifth Element. Yeah. It's like the high rise with the teeny tiny window that uh-huh. like looks out really high onto the city. Yeah. Uh, I loved this book. Yeah, it was cool. I thought it was great. I thought it was pretty lighthearted yep. for, you know, pretty action heavy, pretty lighthearted. Um, but for something that's so like, you could see the literal embodiment of the, the exact thing that you fear most, it it didn't get like bogged down in that. yes yes um and and yeah i'm really interested to see how our team of heroes interacts with like the bad team of other people that are going to come and steal their money right <laughs> <laughs> and one aspect of this that we haven't brought up yet is that these are like the terrors come from people that we can assume have like weaker minds and can't like yeah. protect themselves from this. So there are terror cops are like strong-willed, strong-minded people and they can manifest weapons and energy 
to fight these terrors because of their like brain prowess. I think he yeah. calls I think he calls like the manifestation of that energy like brain bullets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And but... he's like, I can shoot those. So one of the interesting things about this was when he's he wakes up in an apartment and he's walking from the slums and you're starting to put together that he's this kind of um almost superhero-y kind of character who's got this special ability. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to be like, okay, well, if this is something that's so valued in this society, why does he live in a slum? Sure. Um, shouldn't he be like praised as like a savior of the city and have like special um, accommodations and things like that? And then you realize as the book goes on that the city and whatever this bubble area is, you kind of left to believe that maybe like the world has like um, gone to shit. Yeah. And then this bubble that they're in is kind of like what's left of it. That area city, whatever it is um, has, seems like it's almost created a, a food chain of competition between them in order to keep all these people like as low lives. Oh, yeah. Like once you figure out structurally how they organize the thing and that it's all for money and competition that you're like, okay, that's why these people are like fighting to survive instead of being lauded and like yeah. taken care of by their city. Correct. Um, so that was just a really interesting like gross aspect of this that like revealed itself over the over the course of the comic. Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping that this first arc is like oh, we're struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. You know, we're fighting against not only these horrible monsters, but these other folks that also hunt the monsters. Yeah. And then I'd love to see future arcs of this if there are any explore like okay, now we're taking a fight to the the rich folks because there's an area of the city yeah right that are you know rich people i'd love to see them go ghost bust a terror that has appeared in front of some you know millionaire or something yeah right? exactly right um yeah so there's a lot going on here there's so much going on i mean i every time we i feel like i've ended conversation on this i think of another thing so one of the one of the last things i'll say about this is when we have the other squad show up and like shake them down for their bounty. Yeah. Um, they're in the middle of saying like, okay, well with the money we just got, we can still split this up into good shares for everybody. And then we could get some like medi packs to like help heal some of the people in the surrounding area. Yeah. So they're playing like um, police, um, m- doctors and medication providers emt emt we see one of the characters like be a protector of his own neighborhood earlier in the comic for free yeah um not like monetarily motivated and so you've got again these people who are being very altruistic and using their power to uplift their city which in turn is making them less rich and less powerful right while these shitheads just get more and more power yeah so I love this great book. book. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, Terror War. Uh, we both got the A cover. The B cover is by Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, great cover. Totally missed that. It was sold out at my shop. Yeah, uh, I just grabbed one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what else you got? I have Superboy Man of Tomorrow. Hell yeah, I didn't read that one. And this is you know one of our Dawn of DC books. Uh huh. It takes place before. Action Comics 1051 or 1052. Okay. Whatever the most recent kind of like fresh start was. Um, it features our um, leather jacket wearing Superboy. Hell yeah. This is the clone, I think, of Clark and Lex. Is, oh, yeah. That's is, right. Isn't that the origin story of this one? Something like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Superboy, not Superboy Prime, the other one, right? Well, is this Superboy Prime? Is Maybe. that what they call him? Um, I always get the details on this confused because I think yeah. of John Kent when I think of Superboy. Yeah, but he's Adventures of Superman. John Kent is like its own book. Yes, it is. This is a and different this is Superboy. <laughs> yes. Man of Tomorrow. Superboy, Man of Tomorrow. Ugh. Great cover. So many super people. Yeah, it is a great cover. Um, but 
he's got like a convoluted existence in store. Like he was recently like erased from the memories of all like the people in Metropolis. Sure. And then he went off to live with Ma and Pa Kent on the farm and was kind of forgotten. This book kind of has him trying to figure out what his place is on Earth. Okay. And he tries to go help out Metropolis and like everywhere he turns, one of the super people is already doing something. <laughs> he goes to the Fortress of Solitude and is like, show me the disasters going on around the world and, you know, where they need my help the most. And they're like, okay, all the problems on Earth are being addressed. And they show, you know, blips of different cities where like the Flashes and Green Arrow are taking care of one threat. And, yeah. Uh, the Teen Titans are taking care of another one there. Um and so he's like, I need to make, you know, my own way, find my own metropolis. And if it's not on Earth, it's going to be somewhere else. So he steals like a teleportation bracelet. Oh, that's fun. And is like, take me to the biggest confl- conflict in like the surrounding galaxy that I can get to. Yeah. And then obviously he finds himself in over his head and <laughs> is on like a, an intergalactic like huge battlefield um wherein these bad guys are maybe i'm maybe i'm rambling too much at this point but let me wrap it up the intergalactic bad guys go to different planets to intersplice different species dna to make like better super soldiers okay and so they come through take a bunch of dna kill a bunch of people on planets and then disappear while having taken all that DNA and using it to so make, like an, like an make army of doomsdays, it's like an army of like doomsday clones Got sort it. of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they find Superboy on this planet trying to protect them, and they're like, "Oh, he's a clone. We definitely want that DNA. <laughs> so we definitely <laughs> want, and we want his DNA because someone found a way to like these people are aware of Kryptonians, oh, and they're sure. like, someone found a way to clone a Kryptonian." And he's the key to it. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, an introduction of an of a new super team. Oh. That fights these people who make these nasty cloned uh, fighters, and he's in the middle of it. Okay. Because they can tell he's a clone sure. too. So. Oh yeah. So you've got one side that's like we want to destroy him and clone him, and then another side that says. We want to kill this guy. He's one of the clones. He's a clone. Yeah. And so the first issue ends with him just being trapped in the middle of those two things on a far off planet away from Earth. What a, what a conundrum. I what know. a situation he's in. Certainly. <laughs> of his own making. That's exactly right. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was a fun, easy, quick read. It was yeah. one of those books that like just moves really fast. Um, before you know it, it's over. Listening to me talk through it. Might have been a little tedious, but <laughs> but reading it, I mean, all that stuff just comes really quick and really naturally, and it's it's a really fun read, I think. It sounds like what a good like Superman book should be. Yeah, pretty fun, pretty snappy, pretty. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A new angle too that like takes it takes him somewhere else. Yeah. So you're not in the convoluted Metropolis stuff. It's easy to pick that one up without being so immersed in Superman stuff right sure. now. Sure. Uh, who's a creative team on that? Do you know? offhand i don't porter and Lindsay. okay i don't know who either of those folks yeah neither do i dope i might have to go pick that up because yeah. i'm reading john kent and it's a blast so oh i picked up the first issue of that i can't remember if i pre-ordered the subsequent issues but i was like how's this blue suit gonna come back into yeah. play well it's tom taylor and he's going back to injustice so oh, yeah it's gonna be fun stuff all right cool dope superboy man of tomorrow uh i've got two others i'll blast her real quick yeah. first one is soko um this is it's out on sumerian mm-hmm. i'm not gonna make an attempt on the creative team and i'm very sorry but they're all from um like yugoslavia okay or yeah. serbia yes right the story takes place in serbia okay so it's very much a team of creatives writing a story that takes place outside their window which is cool i I like that angle yeah um story is about a a a cop and his partner soko is one of the cops okay they bust up a 
oil smuggling ring. Um, big car chase scene right at the beginning. Big gun shootout. Hell yeah. That's the way to start a comic. That's how you start it. Action scene. <laughs> There's an interrogation scene. They they celebrate out at a club and bust up a dude selling coke out of the back. I'm loving this. But right when you think that they're just bad boys for life, uh-huh. <laughs> you find out at the end that Soko's actually in on the take for the oil smuggling He's thing. He's dirty. He's a dirty cop. So there's if you're if you're into like police procedural stuff, if you're into like the departed that yeah. kind of like i'm not a cop dirty cop yeah. you know that kind of like <laughs> martin scorsese kind of thing this is right up your alley okay cool um i liked it a lot it's only a four issue mini um again you can tell that this story is written by folks that like get the environment that it's mm-hmm. in um so i'm sure i missed a lot of like that kind of cultural stuff yeah um but if you're looking for something that's not anything like a, anything else on the shelf, yeah. this, this is for you. Right on. Yeah. Um, took a chance on it and was pretty pleasantly surprised. So Yeah, you never sometimes uh, – I like the cover that you got. Yeah, that's the B. I think I said to you, um, you know, in the listings when you initially look at this stuff when I'm filling out my pre-orders, yeah. it had the A cover, and the A cover was very much like – it was one of those things where sometimes very artsy indie comics stand out as like, oh, this comic's kind of punk rock. Yeah. And those are like the weird indie publisher books that I normally take a chance on. Yeah. Whereas like a very typical looking cops and robbers kind of A cover, my eyes and brain just glaze over that. Yeah. And it like doesn't even register. So when you said like, oh, I'm going to be reading, I got to pick up SoCo to see what that book's about. I was like, I've never heard of this comic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Sumerian. Like sometimes I check out Sumerian stuff, but it's like so off my radar. Yeah. It was so, pretty good. Sounds like one to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cover I wanted that my shop didn't have is they had a an homage to Scalped Number One. Oh, whoa. That was, you know, the cops in, in, in one of them's in silhouette and the other yeah. one's like in the foreground. I really wanted that one. Cool. Uh, but they didn't have it. So yeah. that's the one to get. Nice. All right. <laughs> And the last one I read was All Eight Eyes. I've seen this cover. I don't know much about this comic, though. So it's out on Dark Horse. It's another action horror book. Okay. And the premise is that there's this, like, kind of homeless street crust kid Uh who's, like, you know, he's a druggie. He hasn't paid his rent. He's, like, you know, kind of strung out, lost, going nowhere. Um, well, one night he's wandering the streets and he sees a homeless guy who he thinks is killing a dude. Turns out the homeless guy is actually killing a giant spider that has killed the guy. Oh, whoa. So we come to find out that there are giant spiders living amongst (laughs) us in every major city. Oh, this is my nightmare. And this homeless guy is like, like, have you seen uh, They Live? I know I haven't. So it's like giant spiders living amongst us. Yeah. And only certain few are like tuned into it. Oh, they're, they're like okay, just aware yeah. everybody else is like oh surely that's not a giant spider you yeah, know and they like right. look over or whatever uh-huh. you know the cops sweep it under the rug that whole thing yeah but the homeless guy kind of takes the dude under his wing as his protege and now they're out hunting giant spiders in new york city all right cool and that's it i mean <laughs> yeah the book moves super super fast yeah um it's another kind of lighthearted action. If you've got arachnophobia, maybe pass it up, but it was absolutely great. Um, Steve Fox wrote it. Peter Kowalski, who is also doing um, Where Monsters Lie. Oh, yeah. With Kyle Starks. He right. did the art. So it looks great. It reads great. Cool. Um, I am stoked for this book. Hell it's yeah. so great. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, right on. Um, hey, it's been another week of First Issue Club as we're recording this. 
It is for a 20. Nice. Bob Marley, baby. <laughs> I, I hope you chiefed safely and that you're coming back from outer space as you're waking up and finding this in your podcast apps and you have a safe, relaxed weekend, my dudes. As always, from First Issue Club, bag and board them, baby. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Licktig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club. <laughs>